This is the sermon podcast for Mosaic Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Committed to bringing the beauty of the gospel of Jesus to the broken places of our lives. Good morning, Mosaic. It's good to be back with you. I sure do miss you. This is growing old on me, uh, but I'm glad that you've... uh, carved out a little bit of time in your hopefully Sunday morning. If you're watching this outside of Sunday, of course, grateful that you're doing that as well. Uh, We're going to pick up in our series uh, in Psalm 23 this morning. So if you've brought your Bibles with you or if you've memorized it by now, uh, as uh, I've been told, many of you are working on the memory of this psalm. Uh, Let's let's open up to Psalm 23 this morning. the shepherd and sheep metaphor is still uh, the dominating theme of the psalm. Uh, there's going to be a little bit of a, a shift here. And, and I don't think I, I mentioned this in, in previous sermons, but um, shepherds uh, were not a highly respected uh, career path uh, in ancient uh, Near Eastern Israel. Um, both in Jesus's time and in David's time, uh, shepherds were deemed uh, unreliable people. Uh, They were not allowed to be witnesses in court. Uh, They were not uh, highly sought after career paths. And and so it's really really unique that God would identify himself as a shepherd. Um, And the reason I believe that he does that is that God identifies with us in in our mess. Uh, He identifies with us in language and terms and emotions that... um, common, normal people like myself and like you uh, can identify with. And so he's, he's doing that here in Psalm 23, and he's doing that in the life of David. And one of the questions uh, that, that some scholarship, um, Old Testament scholars try to answer is trying to pinpoint what was going on in David's life when he wrote uh, Psalm 23. And it's, it's a bit of speculation, uh, but one of the kind of over overwhelming consensus that a lot of scholars have come to the conclusion of is that in David's life at the time of Psalm 23, he was in the thick of running uh, from Saul. King Saul, if you remember, was was pursuing David's life. And so David, in many ways, was a fugitive. And so what what we notice here in the psalm is there's a shift in verse 4 um, and in verses 5 and 6. And, and the shift is, is a couple things. One is that the language shifts uh, from the language of talking about God, he, uh, to the language of talking to God, you. And so that's kind of important. And we're going we're gonna to hone in on that a little bit this morning. And then the second shift is that um, the, um, the, the sheep and the, sh- and the uh, shepherd metaphor shifts to uh, now we're going to be fugitives in verses five and six. So the sheep is kind of verse one, two, and three, and then verse four and five and six shifts to us being in this uh, this valley. And so really the, the center and the core emotion um, of the entire psalm is captured in the verse that we're going to hover on this morning, and that's verse four. And so um, verse four, it will be kind of our focus this morning, but let me go ahead and read the entire psalm. If you want to read along with me uh, in your homes, please do that. Uh, let's, uh, let's give attention to God's word from Psalm 23 this morning. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray and ask God to to bless uh, the word of God as we open it together this morning. Let's pray. Father, it's with hopeful and expectant hearts that we run to your word this morning. We pray that the words of David as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit uh, would be sweeter than honey to us, that we would taste them in our souls, and that they would nourish us and encourage us and strengthen us as we are currently and perpetually walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Lord, help us now. Speak to your people. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I know a lot of you are doing outdoor uh, type of things right now. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that I've enjoyed doing over the past couple of years is uh, some hiking in, in New Mexico. If you, if you have not explored uh, trails in New Mexico, uh, now would be a great time to begin doing that. But uh, I, as I was thinking about this psalm and, and mountains and valleys and shepherds and, and all that, that it entails, uh, I was thinking about a hike I went on last year. Uh, went on a hike with uh, Grant Brodell. Uh, he's, he's, my, he's like my personal Sherpa. He takes me on all the, the difficult trails in New Mexico and, and assures that I get home safely. But we went on a, on a hike last year uh, down uh, to the Sierra Ladrones um, Peak, the, the range of mountains down there. It's about three hours south of Albuquerque, uh, down I-25, a little outside of Socorro. Um, and uh, all, all that Grant usually does uh, before we go on a hike is he kind of tells me, you know, the, the, the difficult level, difficulty level. And he, he said this one was going to be, quote, uh, brutal. And so we went on this hike. It was just a quick, you know, few-hour hike. And uh, brutal to me means nothing because I'm not a very experienced hiker. Um, but we went on this hike, and it was, it was really an off-trail hike. And if you've done any hiking, uh, you'll know that, that ascending the mountain to the peak is usually the most challenging part of a hike. Uh, you, you climb and you climb and you climb. And then the, the descent uh, typically uh, is a little bit a little bit less uh, daunting, a little, little less tasking on your body. Well, on this particular hike, um, we were a little off trail uh, on purpose, uh, but it was it was it was about an eight mile hike uh, with a lot of elevation climb, and we were we were really we were really uh, hiking uh, at a at a quick pace, and we were moving, and we got to the got to the peak uh, in, in good time. Uh, I don't remember our pace, but we were we were really moving. And right as we got to the, to the top, uh, we had ascended the mountain, got to the peak. Um, I took a drink out of my Camelback uh, water, and I was out of water. 
And that's concerning if you're hiking. Um, but I was with a couple friends, and so I, you know, we, we began to kind of talk about water, and Grant wasn't worried about it. We had plenty of water. But about 10 minutes after enjoying the peak, uh, kind of when we were up there, my body, um, it, it, it locked down. Uh, it entirely cramped up um, like I've never cramped before. And so here I am at the top of a mountain, uh, out of water, uh, my body's uh, in shock, and I have to descend the hill still. And this, uh, this mistake will never happen again. I'll always bring more water. But this descent uh, down the mountain uh, was grueling. Uh, it was daunting. Um, I saw the look in Grant's eyes like we had our work cut out for us to, to get me down this hill. But uh, as you can see, I made it down the hill. Um, and so... The descent uh, was the debilitating and difficult part of this particular hike. Um, Christianity, in many ways, is like that. Um, Ascending kind of mountaintop experiences with God uh, has a lot to do with control and your, your grit and your grasp and your climbing. And Christianity actually invites uh, the, the believer uh, to descend with God. And so ascending the mountaintop to experience God and his presence is actually found through the descent, uh, the way of decrease, uh, the way of uh, surrender, letting go, humility. Uh, I'm reminded of, of passages in the Bible. Uh, John the Baptist would say things, uh, speaking about Jesus, uh, he must increase and I must decrease. Uh, I think about Jesus' words where he would say, whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so Jesus, in many ways, was teaching us that the way up is down. The way to life is death. Um, Suffering and hardship and difficulties uh, is the subject we're going to talk about this morning. Um, And it is the subject uh, that Jesus invites you to descend into with him. Um, And the reason he invites you to descend into the darkness is because, you know, against all cultural beliefs. Uh, the, the world would have none of this, but, but Christianity uniquely says that in dying, in darkness, you will find life. So the invitation this morning, uh, as I've been extending it from Psalm 23, uh, the, the invitation from verse 4 is for you to descend into darkness. Because descending into darkness is the only way that you will ever ascend into delight. So this ascension into delighting in God and finding joy and the pursuit of happiness in our lives, all of those things that we long for is found in the path of descending into the valley of the shadow of death. So let's, let's hover there this morning. Uh, we're going to look at a few things uh, from, from that verse. Uh, we're going to look at, first, we're going to look at facing the darkness. Then we're going to look at finding the presence. And then thirdly, we're going to look at feeling the comf- comfort. So let's talk about uh, facing the darkness first. Um, summer would have been the time in the calendar when shepherds would have been leading their flock to the mountain ranges. Uh, because there would have been there would have been coolness there, 
So in the, in, the, in the dog days of summer, the shepherds take their flock to the mountain ranges and there would have been ravines of valleys that would have had kind of overhanging brush and caves, um, areas where, where their, their flock could find rest, uh, where their flock could find shade. Um, but, but in those ravines uh, was danger. Uh, in the valley uh, was death. Uh, in fact, the, the Hebrew in verse 4, it's one word. Uh, we translate it as the valley of the shadow of death. That's one word in the Hebrew. And, and another translation could be that I think gets at the heart of what David is really trying for us to, uh, to see is uh, a valley of deep darkness. Uh, that word is used in the Hebrew Bible in, in various uh, types of ways all over the place. Let me just mention a few. Uh, it's used uh, in uh, hiding. Uh, Job uses it uh, when people try to hide the evil that they're committing. Uh, it's used as a feeling that accompanies rebellion. Uh, it, the word is used in reference to God's judgment. Uh, it's used in reference to emotions like confusion and sadness. Uh, the word is used for physical places, like an actual valley of darkness. Uh, it's used in reference to the darkest moments in the night. And so this is a phrase that encompasses all of life's dark circumstances. And so as we, as we think about the valley of deep darkness in our own lives, in our own world, um, the spectrum's really wide. You know, on one end of the spectrum is, is deep darkness that is outside of us. Global pandemics. Um, natural disasters. Uh, the systemic racism that's occurring. I, I just read um, about Ahmaud Arbery this morning and his death, if you haven't read on, on that, just the, the, the systemic racial prejudice that still resonates in our country. All of the evil, the Ephesians 6 spiritual warfare that's going on outside of us, that if many of us, if the scroll were rolled back, would be petrified by. So there's, there's the evil out there, but then on, on the other side of the spectrum is, is the evil inside of us, the, the darkness that abides within all of us. So this would range from things like mental illness, depression, and anxiety, and sadness, uh, certainly physical illness, debilitating pain, and cancer, and coronavirus. Um, this would include failures and losses, so job and career loss. This would be uh, when financial straits have gone awry, um, infertility, uh, the, the darkness of betrayal, so infidelity in a marriage or, or, or a shattered marriage in divorce. Uh, this would include the darkness of abuse, Domestic violence, sexual trauma. Uh, this would include neglect, the darkness that is neglect, physical neglect, emotional neglect, spiritual neglect. Uh, this would be the turmoil of emotions that stir within us on any given day, anger, doubt, confusion. 
all of this would be covered in the shadow of death leading up to physical death. So miscarriages or bearing children that have died before you or even the physical death of loved ones and to your own eventual demise of death. So that that wide spectrum is what's covered in this word, the valley of the shadow of death. And so the thing that that David, I, I think, is compelling us and what the Christian faith compels us to do is to actually face the darkness, to actually be confronted with our reality. Um, and, and facing the darkness requires that we actually embrace the life that we actually have, not just the life that we want. Too many of us um, have envisioned what our lives ought to be. We've envisioned careers and children and marriages and uh, locations and homes and financial pursuits. And we've really envisioned what we think our lives should be. And what the psalmist is inviting us to, to do is to walk inside of what our lives actually are. And the only way you'll ever um, be able to handle the darkness both outside and inside of you is when you begin to welcome it. Because when you, when you refuse to welcome difficulty and darkness, uh, what you're doing is you're building up bitterness and resentment when that's not your reality. Um, do you, I mean, you notice David says he's walking through it. He's not, he's not sitting in it. Uh, he might be just slowly paced crawling through it, but there's a movement through it. And, and I wonder how many of us um, have been unwilling to descend into our realities. How many of us have been too distracted trying to make our vision for our lives what we think they should be instead of embracing what God has determined they should be. Um, here's, here's my experience with suffering. And, and, and this, you know, this sermon is coming from a very personal place in our family, um, is that the, the more you're able to welcome and, and embrace the suffering, the more meaningful your life will become. Uh, it will have depth and complexity and interest, maybe like you've never had it before. And so that, that's, that's kind of part one of the invitation is, is face the darkness. What is it that you have largely uh, been, been turning your eye to, away from? What is it that you've been avoiding? What is the, the dark reality, the underpinnings of your life uh, that you're trying to avoid? Uh, but if you face the darkness, if you're willing to go into that descent, uh, here's, here's what I'm learning about suffering, and I think the Bible's explicitly clear about this, is that there is a deep intimacy with God that is uniquely reserved for people who are willing to suffer. That there's this space in suffering where God's presence is uniquely felt and experienced. So let's let's talk about finding uh, the presence. Uh, look with me 
uh, in the middle of the verse there, uh, I will fear no evil for you are with me. So there's kind of this, this duality of, of, of the presence of evil and the presence of God. Uh, and and for, for many years, uh, philosophically, the presence of evil and suffering and hard things in our lives has been one argument against the existence of God. And it, it goes something like this, that if God is who the Bible says he is, if he is an all-powerful God and an all-loving God, um, how can suffering and evil exist? If he's an all-powerful God, then uh, evil and suffering exists, but he is uh, unwilling to undo it. He's unwilling to, to rid suffering. He's, un, he's unwilling to do it. So that, that, that's problematic. Or if he's an all-loving God, uh, he, he, he wants to undo it, but he can't. So the Bible uniquely teaches that God is both all-powerful and all-loving, yet suffering and evil still exist. How can that be? Um, it, and and here's, here's kind of my... My, my quick answer to that is that God has revealed himself in the Bible as both a sovereign God and a suffering God. He's a sovereign God on the one hand in that uh, God has the power, the authority, and the ability um, to do whatever he pleases. And uh, the scriptures make it very clear, no one can thwart his will. And so while that is true, the scriptures also say God is not the author of sin and evil. And so there's this tension saying that God has permitted and even designed suffering and evil with purpose behind it. And not only is he that God, the sovereign God, but he's also the suffering God. And the suffering God is the God of the New Testament, the God who has come in the person of Jesus. And he has said, not only can I control suffering, not only do I have purpose behind it, but I will come under the weight of suffering. And so in the person of Jesus, we see Jesus intimately connecting to his people through suffering. Now, when you go through suffering and hardship and difficulty and darkness, the thing that immediately rises to your mind is why? Why is this happening to me and why is this happening now? We all want to know the reason behind the suffering. And if God has one, we say, why wouldn't he show it to us? And, and here's the argument of the atheist is, well, if God had purpose behind it, he would reveal it to us. And here's my response to that argument. Just because we don't see the reason behind our suffering doesn't mean there isn't one there. And in fact, I would, I, I, my hunch is that if God were to show us everything, our finite minds could not handle it. So let me just kind of boil it down to this, that God has both sovereignly and sufferingly given us suffering in our own personal lives to reveal his presence to us in new, deeper, intimate ways with him. Like, what if God were bringing you through a, a trial of, of darkness and suffering to which the length varies by individual, um, not so that you could know why, um, but so that you could know that you're not alone in it. Like, I think that's what God does with us a lot in our suffering, is he's not so much going to show us the end result, but he's going to relate to us while we are in it. 
Like God will use suffering in your life to strip you of everything. And that can sound really cold, distant, and even narcissistic on God's part. But what if God did that because he wanted you to himself? Like what if God wanted all of your heart and so he was willing to put you through the hardest things so that he could be with you? I think that's what he's doing in David's life. I think that's what he might be doing in my life. And I'm curious if, if he's doing that in yours. Uh, Brother Lawrence uh, wrote a book called uh, Practicing the Presence of God. It's a really short read. I'd, I'd commend it to you. He, he says it this way. His words are better than mine. He says that the heart must be empty of all the things. God will possess the heart alone. He cannot possess it to leave without emptying it of everything else. He cannot act in the heart and do what he wants within it unless it is empty. Um, I'll give you a little, kind of a little slice of how God has done this in my life. Uh, a few months back, really, really dark day. Uh, I don't remember the particular things that were going on. I think there was some uh, family stuff going on and, and things in the church, maybe some hard conversations, but it was just a really, a really dark and despairing day for me. And I decided, you know, I'm going to go kind of blow some steam off and just go to the driving range and the golf course and hit some golf balls. And, you know, because that's what we do, right? When we're stressed and in despair, we go hit golf balls. So I go out and I just go to the driving range at Paradise Hills. I'm just hitting golf balls and I'm a terrible golfer. So if anyone, if, if any of you just kind of want to go golfing and, and make yourselves look good, invite me. Uh, but I'm a terrible golfer. And I, I kind of started off really in my head. I was just hitting the ball and it was slicing everywhere. It was terrible. And I, and I kind of got worked up. And I just, I just took a couple deep breaths and it was just a cry of despair, just despair with God. And I just needed to know he was with me that day. Like I just, like I just cried out to my, to my dad in heaven. I just said, I just, I just need to know you're here. So I hit a couple more balls and, um, and there was just this overwhelming warmth that God was just delighting in me in that moment. Like just watching me shank golf balls. I hit a couple good ones. It was like a, a proud dad watching me golf. And I just needed that. Like in that day of desperation and darkness, I just needed God's presence to show up. And here's the thing. God's presence is going to show up in your life not most often on the mountaintops with crowds of people around you and, um, and everything going well. God's presence is going to descend on you probably in the quiet, darkest places of your life. It's what it means to find the presence. It's what David was looking for. But, but where the comfort com comes from, uh, it threw me off a little. It, it was kind of jarring. So let's, let's talk about where you feel that comfort, um, looking kind of at the end of verse four. David says this, it's your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, so it's the, it's the equipment of the shepherd that brings uh, the sheep comfort. 
Uh, now, th there's, there's some discussion on whether these are two different pieces of equipment or one. I think Shepherds did it both ways. Um, the, you're, you're familiar with the staff. So the staff is kind of the, 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 the crooked, uh, you know, long staff with the crooked end on it. That would have been the staff. The rod would have been like a shorter, um, kind of like, it was like an extension of the arm. It's kind of like a club. You know, you kind of see, kind of see these folks that are scared of dogs out in the neighborhood holding some sort of device like that. That's what it reminded me of, like a club. So the rod would have been used as primarily a, a weapon of defense. So this would have been able to, um, to defend the sheep from um, predators, certainly. Um, it would have been able to quickly hit a sheep uh, if it was headed into a crevice or a crack that would have killed it. Um, and so in, in the valley, in the dark valley, there, were, there was death traps all around you, predators. But the, the rod is the thing that brings comfort. But, but it was also the staff. And the staff was more the, the gentle device. It was, it was the thing that could, could kind of just hook a wandering sheep. Um, it was the thing that could kind of just nudge it in the right direction. And so these, these devices of protection and care are the things that bring um, the sheep comfort in their times of despair. Uh, comfort comes from feeling God's constant care and provision over you. And I just, you know, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around a God who's running the universe, the entire cosmos is under his control, and yet his eye is on me. Like he's ensuring that the waves stop where they, where they are, uh, that the rotation of planets continue, uh, that the sun doesn't melt us. Like he's, he's holding all things, there's, there's not an atom in the universe that's out of his control, and yet he will not let me wander from his care. I am always under his provision. Now, that, 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 can, that can feel um, really theoretical to me at least. It can feel academic and intellectual in nature. And here's the beautiful thing about the gospel, and, I, and I, want, I want us to land with this, is that the gospel of Jesus Christ um, makes our suffering endurable because it puts it in perspective. Um, the gospel of Jesus it's the good news that Jesus, he was the sheep um, who, who came under God's fold. He came into the flock as a man on earth and he never strayed. Like he was the, he was the one sheep out of all the sheep that listened to God's voice without fault. He didn't need nudged. Uh, he uh, withstood temptation from Satan himself in the wilderness. His foot never stumbled. He was 
the blameless sheep. There was no fault in him. He was without blemish. And yet, he willingly was treated like a wayward one. He willingly embraced suffering and the suffering pales in comparison to ours. You think about the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus sweat blood with the pressure and the anxiety of the cross that was before him. Because the cross was God taking his rod of judgment and striking him to death. There's a a great Scottish preacher named Robert Murray McShane, and I just want to read a quote from him. And I want you to, to just imagine the depth of the darkness that Jesus endured on the cross. Listen to the language of Robert Murray McShane when he talks about Jesus. He says that he was without any comforts of God, no feeling that God loved him, no feeling that God pitied him, no feeling that God supported him. God was his son before, and now that son became all darkness. He was without God. He was as if he had no God. All that God had been to him before was taken from him now. He was godless, deprived of his God. He had the feeling of the condemned when the judge says, depart from me, you cursed. You shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. He felt that God said the same thing to him. And then, and then just capture this language with me. The ocean of Christ's suffering is unfathomable. Jesus descended into the darkness of godless living so that anyone anyone, the most wayward sheep, the one who is entrenched in the darkest valley, and maybe they even put themselves there, anyone who would trust in that shepherd can ascend to the life of glory with him. There's refuge for the sufferer. There is a hiding place under the shadow of the wings of Almighty God for those who experience the deepest amount of darkness, both outside in the world and inside in their hearts. And so the response that I would summon from you today is to trust in that one, is to see his suffering was for you. Wasn't theoretical, wasn't academic, wasn't exemplary. He placed himself under the suffering judgment of God's darkness for you. Would you descend into that darkness willingly embracing the reality that is yours so that you can experience delight that is eternal and everlasting? That's the good news for the believer today. Would you believe it with me? Let's pray together. 
Father, I, I don't know who's listening to this. Uh, this, is, this is odd for me. Uh, um, but I believe there's, there's people listening to this uh, that feel the dark shadow of darkness over their life. Maybe, maybe they've been unwilling to embrace it. Uh, maybe they are photoshopping everything about themselves to present something that is lighter and better. But Lord, I pray that you would use the words of the psalm, the valley of the shadow of, the, of death, to fall on hearts today. And Lord, that, that we would not be overwhelmed by them or undone by them, uh, but that we would look up and that we would sh- see the good shepherd, the shepherd who laid his life down for his very own sheep. Lord, help, uh, help us in our unbelief today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now lift up your eyes and hear good words uh, from Romans chapter 8 uh, as your blessing this morning. The Apostle Paul says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you, Mosaic. Have a blessed week. This is the sermon podcast for Mosaic Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Committed to bringing the beauty of the gospel of Jesus to the broken places of our lives. 